All right. If you got a Bible with you, I'm going to start in Matthew chapter 5, and we are going to fly, baby. I mean, go, 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 go. So you might want to take notes this morning. A lot of Scripture coming from different directions today, and you might go back and look at these later on, or you can go to our website and get some additional notes uh, from this uh, message we're going to talk about here for a few minutes later today if you want to. Uh, I have heard it said for a long time, people say, well, you know what? Christianity is just a crutch, right? Like that's a cuss word or something. And like it's a bad thing. And people say, well, you know, God's more than a crutch. Yes, he is. So look, but just bear with me for just a minute. Have you ever been hurt and struggling or you can't walk or you just feel like you're just too weak and you had to use crutches or find your family? And in in those moments, those crutches are essential, aren't they? Right? And, you know, and for some reason, we decided that crutches were a bad thing. Uh, and, but if you can't walk, crutches are a very good thing. And so people who are far from Christ want to say, well, you know, Christianity is just a crutch. You know what they're saying is, I can live life on my own. I don't need any help. I'm very independent. But, you know, over and over again in Scripture, we find out that what God says that he wants us to do is to be dependent on him. So crutches are not necessary as far as needing to depend and lean on somebody. Crutches are not such a bad thing. Because what you're saying spiritually is I can't survive by myself. I can't do it on my own. And so I have to have somebody to hold me up. I can't do this by myself. Instead of being independent, which is what we're all about in America, because after all, we're the home of the Declaration of Independence. But what we're really saying is that I need to be dependent. That you make a declaration of dependence saying, God, I need you. I depend on you. I cannot live without you. Now, the American dream is to be independent. But the more that you grow in your relationship with Jesus, the more dependent you become. So Jesus says that he is ushering in this new kingdom. And he talks about it in Matthew chapter 5. And he, he uses this term blessed or blessed, whichever way you prefer to say it. And he says there's eight different things that you can do to be blessed. And the thing is, it's not a legalistic thing. It's not a behavior modification tool. It's just, look, what do you do to get blessable? Because here's the deal. I want you to be in a position to be blessed by God. Now, that sounds real legalistic. No, well, not really. Because, see, you can get yourself out of position to be blessed. You can be prideful. You can be arrogant. You can openly embrace sin in your life. You can be indifferent. You can be um, apathetic toward God. And all those things get you out from underneath his blessing. So what I want to help you to do is get you into a place where you are blessed, that God blesses your relationships, where God blesses your studies, uh, where where God blesses uh, your families, where God blesses you financially, where God blesses your health, uh, where God blesses your future, where God blesses uh, the, the things that he said in front of you. 
That's what I want to help you to do. I want to help you get to that point. So if you've got a Bible with you, I'm in Matthew chapter 5, and we'll start, uh, we'll start there this morning. Now, the, the question you really got to ask, I guess, to start off with is what is a blessing? Because a, a, a blessing, that's that word we use all the time. Somebody sneezes, you say, God bless you. You know, somebody does something dumb, you go, bless. And if you're not from the South, you probably don't understand that. But, but we, we use that word to mean all kinds of things. In the Greek language, it's the word makarios. It means to be happy. It means a, a deep contentedness. Uh, and, and literally, our definition, what is a blessing? It's God's favor and protection. God looks at you. He sees the good in you, and he leans in your direction. Okay? That's a, that's a good thing, that God's leaning in your direction instead of going, mm. Okay? And so it's God's favor and protection. That's a blessing. So in Matthew chapter 5, beginning verse 1, it says, Seeing the crowds, he went up on the mountain, and when he sat down, his disciples came to him. And he opened his mouth and taught them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. So today, let's just talk about the six words. Blessed are the poor in spirit. Okay, so let's talk about that. And so what does that mean to be poor in spirit? It means very literally to that I humbly depend on God instead of myself. I mean, I can't get it done. It means that you are operating, spiritually speaking, from a place of poverty, that you have nothing in you that is good, that is able to accomplish good on your own, that you don't, you're not owed it, but you are dependent on God. And the more dependent that you become on God, the more blessed that you become the more that you realize you cannot do anything, the more bankrupt that you become, spiritually speaking, on your own. And the more you depend on God, the more blessing that you're going to find in your life. So, as I said, real practical message we're going to talk about today. So let me give you five practical ways to grow in dependence on God. Five practical ways to grow in dependence on God, right? So, uh, the first one uh, is depend on God's wisdom. Proverbs fourteen twelve says, there's a way that seems right to a man, but its end is the way to death. Now, this happened to everybody, right? That, that, that you say, ooh, ooh, I, I got a great idea. And he said, okay, I'm going to go do it. And, and then it turns out to be not so good, right? Because you say, well, I decided to go with my gut. And you shouldn't go with your gut because your gut is full of pizza. Uh, you should be not listening to your gut. Uh, that shouldn't what you should do. You should make the wise choice. I tell this to my kids over and over and over and over again. I said, listen, make the wise choice. Make the wise choice over and over again. Listen, the wise choice is better than the right choice because the wise choice is always the best choice. Make the wise choice. Say, God, what do you want me to do? Uh, and that, that, that's where it starts because well, we have these ideas. Oh, I think I'm going to do this. You know, you got this conflict going on for your kids and you think, I'm a genius. I'm going to go in there and fix this. And you go in there and then, you know, and two weeks later you realize you made that relationship so much worse. You know, you've got this conflict going on with your spouse and you go in there, okay, here's what we're going to do. And you go in there and lay down the law and you think, because this was good, I just, I'll just go with my gut and it didn't go so well, did it? Or, you know, there's that time that you said, you know, I'm, we're going to move and I'm going to take that job. Well, why are you going to do that? Well, I just have a gut feeling we should go. Uh, that didn't work out so good, did it? Right? So some of you jumped into a marriage. That you said, oh, I should never have jumped into that marriage. I, that, was, that was a bad, bad, bad idea. Listen, just because you've got a feeling, it doesn't make it right. Uh, and, and just because you think it's a great idea, it, it doesn't make it right. Uh, it, 
Proverbs 3, verse 5 says, trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not lean on your own understanding. That's what we do, right? We, we say, look, I'm, I'm going to lean on my own understanding. That's what I'm going to do. I've, I've got a great idea. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he will make straight your paths. Uh, be not wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and turn away from evil. This, be not wise in your own eyes. I love that because most everybody thinks that you're smarter than you really are and that you're better looking than you really are. And someone's thinking, is he talking about me? Maybe. But, but see, we're very, we're very prideful. We think, well, I got it because here's what we do. We compare ourselves to other people. So I'm better than him. I'm smarter than him, faster than him. I can get this done. And he says, well, I would never be, do something like that doofus just did. So this has got to be a great idea. So let's do this. And it, it, it doesn't end well. So, so how do you get God's wisdom? If you're going to depend on him from wisdom, how do you get that? You read and you pray. It's not complicated. Read and pray. Read God's word, read the Bible and pray. That's what it is. And, and God says, look, you want wisdom? I'll dump it on you. In James chapter one, verse five, if any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God who gives generously to who? All. You know what that means? Everybody, all, every single one of us. He says, look, if you want it, just ask. I'll give it, I'll give it to you generously without reproach. He's not gonna say, that's a dumb idea. Don't ask me for wisdom. He says, no, ask me for wisdom. Ask me for wisdom. He's inviting you to come to him and say, God, what do you want me to do? Ask and it will be given generously to all without reproach and it will be given to him. Now, how do you know if you're depending on God's wisdom? This is so, this is so important. How do you know if you're depending on God's wisdom? Well, number one, are you praying to him all day long? Now, I'm not talking about waking up in the morning and praying for seven hours straight because most of us can't do that. Most of us are really good praying for three or four paragraphs at a time. And it's okay. Pray for three or four paragraphs, three or four sentences. Do it 20 times a day. Now, what am I talking about praying all day long? I'm talking about you got a test coming up after lunch, right? And you say, God, I'm a little bit nervous about this test. So would you please give me peace as I walk in and take this biology test this afternoon? Lord, tonight, you know, when I'm driving home that my wife and I, we've got to have a conversation and I just really don't even know what to say, but I'm tired of us hurting. And so would you please give me wisdom to know what to say to her tonight? God, we, we've got these bills piled up in front of us. And, you know, everybody's told me 17 different things to do with these bills. But God, would you give me wisdom about it? And it's just over and over again. You're in this conversation with God all day long. That, that, that's how you know if you are um, depending on him for wisdom. And you're reading his word every day. So here's the deal. I, I got an idea for you. Okay. Here's how we're all going to grow in wisdom together over the next month. Okay. May has 31 days. And May is just a couple days away. Proverbs has 31 chapters. So we're going to read a proverb a day during the month of May. So on May 1st, you read Proverbs 1. May 2nd, Proverbs 2. May 3rd, Proverbs 3. May 15th, you read Proverbs 15. You're geniuses. Amazing, right? We can do this. And so what we're going to do, we're going to saturate in the Proverbs for a month as a church. And we're going to let God's wisdom just soak into us, right? This is easy. You're like, I don't even know where that is. It's okay. There's a table of contents at the front of a Bible, or you can just Google it and you can read it. But just read a proverb a day. Let's do that. Uh, so we're going to depend on God for wisdom. Next thing is we're going to depend on God's strength. If you are trying to do things on your own, you're going to get exhausted. You're going to get worn out. It's not going to work for you. That's why some people get so frustrated and miserable 
miserable in their walk with Christ because they're always trying to do things in their own strength. In Isaiah 40, verse 31, it says, but they who wait for the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. Now in the darkest moments of your life, in those darkest moments of your life, I'm talking about when you get the phone call that something's happened to your kid. When you find out that a loved one has a terrible disease or has passed away. Those moments you get those phone calls and you can't even stand up. You just have to sit down because it's not the strength out of you. And look, in, in those moments, you can't turn to God for his strength for the first time in those moments. You've got to already be dependent on God for his strength prior to that. And let me tell you, every single one of us, every single one of us, you're going to have those moments in your life. Something's going to happen that you never thought was going to happen. People do not schedule calamity and catastrophes in our lives. It comes without warning. You're going to need that. Listen, the reason that, that, that people don't get through those difficult times is because they weren't depending on God's strength beforehand. When I have gone to see someone who's just gotten that phone call, so here's what happens. Everybody, all their friends, get around them. Anything you need. You need to bring some food. You need to go get something for you. Let me take the kids to school. What do you need me to do for you? Anything you need, just let me know. And I mean, and there, and your friends will be game on for about a week, maybe 10 days. And then they think, oh, it's past, it's over. And six or eight weeks later, you're like, man, it still hurts. And the people who can get through it six or eight weeks later, six or eight months later, a year or two later, are the people who are depending on God for strength before that. If you were, say, I'll jump in here and depend on God's strength right now, or you never depend on God for his strength, you know what? You're not going to survive it. Emotionally, you're not going to survive it. You've got to lean on him. Because everybody, see, and here's the deal. We don't want to talk about this either. If you live long enough, you're going to get old. Psalmist writes this. He says, my flesh and my heart may fail, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. This great missionary who I have a lot of respect for, Hudson Taylor. Uh, and He lived to be very old and tremendous, tremendous man of God. But he writes this near the end of his life. He says, I am so weak, I can no longer work. I am so weak, I can no longer study. I am so weak, I can no longer read my Bible. See, there are people in this room, and you identify with this because you've been so sick, so worn out, so exhausted. And maybe it's just because you had a baby, and you're exhausted with a new child at your house. You're like, I don't even have enough strength to read my Bible. 
And he says, I cannot even pray. I, I can only lie still in the arms of God like a little child and trust. And, and see, we read that on the surface and go, oh, he should suck it up. He should be, do better than he's doing. No, that's enough. But the question, are you doing all that you can do so God can do what only he can do? Have you already leaned into him for your, for your strength or are you depending on yourself? Because weakness can be a good thing if it causes you to trust God. Paul writes this in 2 Corinthians 12. He says, three times I pleaded with the Lord about this, that it should leave me. But he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly of my weaknesses so that the power of Christ may rest upon me. For the sake of Christ, then, I am content with weaknesses, insults, hardships, persecutions, and calamities. For when I am weak, then I am strong. So we depend on God's wisdom. We depend on God's strength. Next thing is we depend on God's timing. Now, timing is critical, right? If you're a quarterback and you're throwing the ball to a wide receiver, it's all about timing. If you're a pitcher, the difference between being a major league pitcher and the guy who's pitching in single A is timing. Uh, if, you're, uh, if you play golf, the difference between hitting a 92 and shooting a 76, it's all timing. Uh, timing is critical in just about everything. And here's the deal about timing is that we don't like God's timing. Most of us feel like that God is, doesn't know what he's talking about when it comes to timing. And that we feel like he's always too slow or he's always too fast. But, but check this out. And you might want to write this down because this is really important. While you're waiting, God is working. God has not forgotten you, abandoned you, walked away from you, going, I'll get to you later. By the way, God's never in a hurry. He's not going, oh, I gotta hurry, gotta hurry, gotta hurry. He's never in a panic. While you're waiting, God is working. Now, see, here's what happens is that, that God says, hey, I got something for you. And he calls you to something. He says, I want you to step into that, to what I've called you to do. I've set you aside for it. You've got an opportunity here. And this is what most of us do. We go, I hear you, but here's what I'm going to do. I'm, I, I need to talk to somebody about that first. And I, I, I need to pray for, about it some. I need to go to life group and we need to talk about this some. I probably take a class. I need to do some research and I need two or three books I can read on the subject. And then when I get some peace about it, I'll do it. God says, I don't care about your peace. What I want you to do is I want you to do what I called you to do. Come on, step in here, he says. Or, or it's the other hand, because we think he's, he's too fast and like, hey, I'm not ready yet. When, when I'm ready, I'll do it. Or we think he's too slow. Because God says, his timing is perfect. But we think he's too slow. You're like, but God, you don't understand. I, I, I applied to you know, 14 colleges and I've got to get an acceptance letter. I'm in, you know, in a messes of trouble here before long. Come on, hurry up. God, God, um, I got to get this house sold by this date. If I don't get the house sold by this date, then, mm. you know, God, I, I got to let them know about this job, whether I'm going to take it or not. And so you didn't tell me what to do, so you're too slow. And so, and so what happens is when we short circuit God's timing and we say, I tell you what, God, you're too fast or you're too slow. So I'm going to step in here and I'm going to play God, do it myself. You wreck your life. Because you think you know better. And, and then you're like, oh man, what do I do? How do I get out of this? Oh God, please help me. But if we would just wait. I hate waiting. I hate it. My short hot wife would tell you that I hate it when people pray that Lord God, please give Arthur patience. 
I'm like, don't pray that for me. <laughs> I'm not interested in that. Look, look, our whole, look, we're the people standing in front of the microwave going, hurry up, right? Yesterday, best day of my life. You know what happened yesterday? I'll give them a shout out right here in front of everybody. Uh, I was at Chick-fil-A, got some Christian chicken yesterday, uh, right? My whole life, I've been dreaming about this happening, right? And so here's the deal. I, I give them the order and I'm just moving, 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 moving. And, you know, because it used to be just one window, but now you go to the drive-thru and there's 18 windows, it seems like. But anyway, I, I give them the order. I come around the building. Now I have a manual transmission in my Jeep. And so I got it in second gear. And so I just keep moving. And there's this, this person comes out from side Chick-fil-A, holds out the bag. I just pick up the bag and keep rolling. Man, that's amazing. I didn't have to stop. I'm just like, yes. I mean, that's the way drive-thrus are supposed to work. I don't want to wait. I don't want to stop. I don't want to do anything. You think you hate traffic riding the car with me. But look, would you wait for God? Because when you will wait for him, he will always, in his timing, give you his very best. When you say, I'm not going to wait. I'm going to do my own thing. You're settling for less than God's best every time. Micah chapter 7 says this. It says, as for me, I will look to the Lord. I will wait for the God of my salvation. My God will hear me. He is not ignoring you at all. Proverbs 16, 9 says, the heart of man plans his way, but the Lord establishes steps. You can have whatever kind of plans you want, but it's going to be done in God's timing. And by the way, it, about to get riled up. All right, so here's the deal. When God calls us to do something and he says, yeah, you got something, right? And you're holding on to it. And he says, I want that out of your hand. And maybe it's because it's an idol because he's a jealous God. And he knows that that's bad for you. And he loves you so much, he wants things good for you. And you say, but look, I don't want to do what you're calling me to do. Do you know that sometimes God will bring about, not all the time, sometimes God will bring about circumstances in your life to get you to the point of where he wants you to be. Now, you remember when you were in kindergarten, the first time you held something in your hand and three or four other kindergartners came in and tried to pull it out of your hand like that and it hurt? You know, sometimes God will bring about circumstances in your life that are difficult in that moment because he knows later on things will be much better. And I can tell you that not just from theory, I can tell you that from experience. His time is always perfect. Even when he sent his son. In Ephesians chapter 1, Verse 7, it says, In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses according to the riches of his grace, which he lavished upon us in all wisdom and insight, making known to us the mystery of his will, according to his purpose, which he set forth in Christ as a plan for the fullness of time to unite all things in him, things in heaven and things on earth. So Jesus showed up at the perfect time. Almost everybody in the known world was familiar with the Greek language so the gospel could go forth. The Romans built roads and so it was easy to walk somewhere and tell other people about the gospel. Fullness of time. It was the perfect time. A delay is not a denial. We think God is saying no, but he's really just saying not yet. And so we depend on God's timing. We depend on God's defense. What do I mean? You let God be your defender. 
Let him take care of things. When somebody says something nasty to you, you don't have to say something nasty back to them. Somebody makes an accusation against you. You know what? You can just be a godly person, a godly man, a godly woman, and say, you know what? That's not true. If you're living your life in such a way that you're showing people that you depend on God, when somebody makes some wild, crazy accusation about you, you know what people say? They go, he would never do something like that. She would never say that. So you can defend yourself or you can let God defend you. But you know, you're most like Jesus when you say nothing in the face of attack. First Peter chapter 2 Talking about Jesus, when he was crucified, when he was reviled, he did not revile in return. When he suffered, he did not threaten, but continued entrusting himself to him who judges justly. So people are going to say things about you. They're particularly going to say things about you in an email, a text, or online because they don't have to say it to your face. And if you're a leader, people are going to attack you. You say, Arthur, I'm not a leader. Yes, you are. You're a Christ follower. That makes you a leader, number one. You're a leader at your home. You're a leader at school. You're a leader at work. And so the more influence that you have, the more attack that you are going to endure. And the question is, what, what are you going to do at that point? And we need fearless men and women who are going to do the right thing. Uh, you know, if you're a leader, you're going to be misunderstood. People are going to say things that, about you that were not true, never will be true, never have been true, and, and, but people are going to believe it. But you can depend on God to be your defender, and he will do more than you ever imagined that he'll do. Psalm 62, verse 5 says, For God alone, O my soul, wait in silence, for my hope is from him. He only is my rock and my salvation, my fortress. I shall not be shaken. On God rests my salvation and my glory, my mighty rock. My refuge is God. And so we're going to depend on God's wisdom, his strength, his timing, his defense, and his provision. Number five, his provision. What am I talking about? God's your provider. And a lot of people, we get to the point in our lives where we're like, well, you know what? I got it. I'm okay. I feel safe. I feel secure. I've got a little bit of money in my retirement account. You know, I've got a couple of promotions. Family's doing okay. Um, nobody's in jail this week. Uh, you know, we go on nice vacations. Uh, the cars are running, and we feel like, you know what? I'm okay. And somebody comes and says, hey, you know, you could do this. You could do, oh, you got a little bit of extra money, and you invest something here or there. And you're like, hey, this is okay. I'm doing all right. But you know, tomorrow the banks could crash. The monetary system could be outlawed. There could be a catastrophe. And if you think you're your provider, when that happens, your whole world's going to crumble. And you're going to struggle. And so there's this idea of sitting here going, here's what I'm going to do is that God is my provider, that it's not me. It's not the bank. It's not my 401k. It's God is my provider. It's, it's understanding that your job is your channel of finances, but not the source of finances. 
And the Bible's real plain that we're supposed to work and provide for our families. But God says, let me provide for you. If Philippians 4.19 says, my God will supply every need of yours according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. So my job is a channel, but God is the source of my supply. This afternoon, so I go home, walk into the kitchen, get a glass out of the cabinet, get a glass of water, turn on the faucet. Nothing comes out. The world's supply of water has dried up. It's over. The apocalypse has come. The zombies are walking down the road. It's finished. No, because I know there's water. That faucet is a channel for the water. But in reality, it's not the source of the water. And it's understanding that God is the source of our provision. You need to have your security, your provider, needs to be someone who is eternal and cannot be shaken and not not ourselves. That make sense? So we've got some homework. Here's homework this week. All right. First thing, I want you to rate yourself. I want you to rate yourself on these five ways to grow independence on God, to grow in your dependence on God. Say it that way more plainly. So you look at, um, at your wisdom, at your strength, who you're depending on. Who, who are you depending on to, uh, to defend you? You go through all five of those, right? You walk through each five, and you don't have to give yourself a, you know, one to 10, but you say plus or minus. I, I, I need to depend more on God for wisdom. I need to depend more on God for strength. Uh, I'm doing okay, God's timing. I'm trusting him okay right now. Um, I, I need to let him be my defender a little bit more than I have been. Um, I'm, re- I'm good with trusting him to be my provider, but rate yourself, okay? So there's, there's five of them there, so just rate yourself. Then the, the second thing is, is you need to make a declaration of dependence. You need to declare that you depend on God. And there may be some other area of life that God brings this to fruition for you. But here's what Jesus says is the best way to publicly declare our dependence on God. And that's to be baptized. Jesus says that our relationship with him is not a private relationship. It's personal, but it's also public. And so we've had a lot of people in the last few weeks make decisions for Christ. And you need to make a public declaration of your dependence on God. You need to tell people, I've got this relationship with God. And the best way to do that, and when Jesus says that we should do as Christ followers, is that you should be baptized. And what's baptized? Well, baptized means to be dipped under the water. So we're going to have a baptism celebration on June 2nd. And if you have interest in being baptized, take that connection card today and just put baptism on it. Okay? Or you can... Uh, go on our website and say, yeah, I want to be baptized. And what is that word? That's a Greek word, baptizo, which means to dip under. So technically this afternoon, if you're going to watch a ball game, you could have chips and baptizo. Dip, real generous with the dip on the chip, right? That's what it means. Okay, we'll talk more about that in a few weeks. But you need to be making plans to make a public declaration of your dependence on God. And 
as a new believer, the best way to do that is to be baptized. And if you've known Christ for a long time, but you have never been baptized according to what the Bible says, dipped under the water, then you should take that step. Third thing, homework. Starting May 1st, what are we doing? We're reading Proverbs, right? So May 1st, we read Proverbs 1, May 2nd, Proverbs 2, May 28th, Proverbs 28, right? So we're all growing wisdom this month. Does that make sense? All right, awesome. Let me pray.